Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, accredited investment fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to The Millionaire Next Door, where Rob Curtis always offers a tasty menu of topics, and I might say they are relevant topics to the happenings of the day. And this episode is not different. But Rob, before we get into inflation, geopolitics, and the economy, tell me who you and your team are ideally suited to serve. Yeah, absolutely. I, I partner with a select group of individuals and families who are focused savers and engaged delegators seeking guidance as they reach out, re, reach an inflection point, I should say, in their life. Uh, with that, I've developed and refined a process called our formula, which allows clients to focus on what matters most and helps them put all the pieces of their financial puzzle together. Our as an O-U-R, our, our? Our, yes. I, I can <laughs> Not the talk a little hour. bit. Yeah, I can talk a little bit that, about that if you'd yeah, like. Do that, um, do that. Well, let me, you know, I actually referred to it in a prior podcast and talked in some detail but let me give some highlights and explain it. And interestingly, I started working with a consultant that I engaged about six months ago. So we've been going through a lot of a lot of practice management type matters. And at the heart of that was also sort of defining and naming your process. I had this process. Uh, this is sort of the official, I guess, unveiling of it in a way. I've been using it, you know, a defining characteristic and one that's really differentiated my practice is it's very, it's objective, it's unemotional, um, and it's rules-based. So we, we've talked about that in the past, and I'll delve into it. And then we're also going to get into some matters, as you mentioned, inflation and all, all the topics of the day, which are, which are big, big topics that the market is grappling with. But if you're layering on this, this uh, process, our process, this uh, objectivity, you know, unemotional rules-based, it really helps in making those decisions. And so interestingly, I wanted to come up with a little catchier name, but it, I had to do a lot of deep sort of soul searching. And this is what resonating after, resonated after several iterations, but kicking it back around and uh, just really reflecting on what I really do that differentiates. So this is kind of the official unveiling of it. We should have bells process. and whistles here. We should build whistles should, and balloons and everything else. There should be things. Yeah, I guess in my world, it's going off now. Now, clients, this may or may not mean something. A lot of folks who've worked with me over the years have heard these terms and they've, they've seen this process. Some may not even be aware it's going on, but it, it really helps define. I mean, we, we, the process simplifies the complexity of a client's success. We, we have no hidden agenda here. You know, we're stewards, we're fiduciaries. I'm not a salesperson, but this is the official, you know, unveiling. Uh, you see these, these musicians who perform now in virtual conference, con they don't really get the claps and the things that they're used to hearing in a live, but, but sometimes people put it online, but this, this is it. So our process, yeah, 
I'll get I'll get more into that. Yeah, this is the official unveiling and, and naming of it. Yep. So tell me about the name and, and what it all stands for. Well, again, it, it's it's an objective, unemotional, rules-based process. So I'll try and give some examples as we go along. But a typical thing is we'll get a call in from a client or we'll be reaching out. And, you know, we just got through taxes. So we had some folks maybe needed some money to pay their taxes or they're doing a kitchen remodel. Or I had a client who... Um, I'll talk about this. We we get very involved in their fam- their family, their occupation, their uh, sort of bucket list recreational aspirations. So maybe they're taking a trip to Africa. I had one I was talking with last week. His daughter is um, is just graduating from college. You know, in June, big deal. He wants to seed her with some money. You know, sort of like a like an IRA contribution or a, a graduation gift. So how are we going to come up with those funds? What's our process around that? We love that. So I will talk about, again, a lot of this stuff, inflation, interest rates. These are really, really timely, big issues. You want to have that process that lends that perspective. So it's objective, unemotional, and rules-based. And so we're not we're not going intuitively. We're not going off what we just read. We're not winging it here. We, you know, it's a very defined process, kind of like, a, you know, if you're flying an airplane through inclement weather, you're, you're going to do all kinds of checks and you're going to look at instruments and you're going to rely on your readings. And those are that's very important data. So ho- hopefully that gives a little flavor behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's take that and talk about yeah. how it relates to, I mean, inflation, you mentioned it, and interest rates. Yeah. Now, that is huge. I mean, interest <laughs> rates have just climbed. We were just talking about mortgage rates before we started yeah. reporting. I think you're right. I think they've hit 5%, which for some yeah. people is, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the world is falling. But no. <laughs> well, back in yeah. the day. Sure, back in the day, and I'm, I'm going to get into this, but um, yeah, inflation is here. There, there's, there's just no question. We, we saw this coming in a big way throughout the pandemic over the last two years, the, the U.S. government and also other big global central banks, but they've increased the money supply. And in this country, they increased with, it's called M2 if you mm-hmm. took Econ 101, but the money supply grew 40%. I mean, that's absolutely enormous. So we knew right away that was going to be inflationary. And you had the Federal Reserve not that long ago, using the term, it's transitory. I don't know if you recall hearing that. Oh, yes. Inflation is trans. Now they're calling it surging, you know, inflation. But the reality is we're up. The CPI is up 8.5% from a year ago. This is actually the largest increase since 1981. So, And by the way, that, that when I think that doesn't seem that long, it was 41 years ago. So it's yeah. a big big deal. And so now if you're, you know, if you're under 50 years old or 55, you may not really understand. A lot of people don't understand what that means or where they've really lived with it. You know, where, where someone is actually buying their groceries at the beginning of the month because they're concerned by the end of the month, they're going to be more expensive and less plentiful. I mean, some folks actually have that experience or you're filling up your gas tank, you know, on a Monday or Tuesday because you're concerned on a Friday it's going to be more expensive. I mean, that's that's sort of where we're at. So we'll see when it 
when it peaks. But a lot of people under maybe 55, 50, they don't really have a true understanding of that. But but this is what's going on. So we see it in mortgage rates. I mean, um, mm-hmm. we know people locking. I myself locked somewhere around 2.6%. But they're up around five. You mentioned that you you had a mortgage at what was it, fourteen percent or fifteen? The first yeah. place I bought the mortgage. This was again back in the day, was fourteen yeah. percent, and that was yeah. considered pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and um, so you know, I remember my my very first one was at seven point six five percent. I mean, we still had Southern California real estate appreciating, but but they dropped so low. That the reality of it is to give this perspective, inflation is here for sure. The Fed is looking at increasing rates, you know, substantially. Any way you slice it, we're still in an easy money, loose policy. They've been excessively loose for a really long time, which has led to a lot of the stimulus, but now they're sort of reversing course. They're behind the curve and they have to. So uh, just to put it in perspective, a lot of times the, these things are measured by what's called the 10-year treasury. This is like the 10-year government bond. That closed at an all-time low of 0.51% on August 4th of 2020. I mean, not that long ago, and that's rose of the pandemic. Right. You know, it's risen up to like 2.83, 2.9, approaching 3%. That's still, that's a big, a big, what we call a delta, but a big increase. And so where we're sitting at now, and the market certainly realized it on the last Fed meeting was March 16th of this year, 2022, the Federal Reserve initiated a 25 basis point or you know, 0.25% interest rate increase. And they probably slowed back from the pace they were going at because of the Ukraine, you know, the Russia, Ukraine, right. you know, invasion, et cetera. But the median Fed official is now signaling another six hikes or 1.5%. Um, percent through the end of the year. And, you know, that would be like a 1.75% higher. That's just the federal funds reserve rate. They've also signaled an additional 75 to 100 basis point or, you know, 0.75 to 1% increase in 2023. So, So to illustrate just how fast things have changed, you know, Chairman Powell announced on March 21st, that the Fed is willing to raise interest rates faster than expected and high enough to curb growth and hiring if it deems necessary to slow surging inflation. So again, we've gone from tr- the perception of transitory, which I don't think we we shared, that was the narrative, to surging. To surging. And there was a... Um, We'll unpack this over time, but that giant surge in the monetary supply clearly caused it. You know, we're seeing it with such things as natural gas has surged. Certainly in Europe, you know, they've they've surged 43% over the last year. That's a big, big surge, you know, for people relying on heating their homes, et cetera. But right now, the U.S. economy is facing a battle between you know, for, forces boosting growth and forces dragging it down. So we are in an interesting inflection point. What, what's supporting growth, I, I would say first is con- the continued reopening from the COVID-19 situation. Uh, Americans are still in the process of returning to normal, but we're not completely there yet. 
secondary monetary policy is still very loose, even though it's, it's still loose. So even if the Federal Reserve raises rates by you know two and a quarter percentage points this year, real interest rates will still be negative and mon- monetary policy will not be tight. Uh, third, tax rates remain relatively low. I know that's hard to believe after... Um, after tax day, but I mean, you know, in historical perspective, and they're likely to stay that way. So major transformational legislation seems unlikely. Meanwhile, the economy also faces some headwinds. The Russia-Ukraine war, I mean, it's probably going to be a long, long conflict. Lockdowns in China are further disruptions to supply chains, and the Biden administration is ramping up regulation and adding to business costs. Those are certainly headwinds. So there's there's a lot. There's a lot going on in the world. I, I got to attend a national conference, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and got some amazing insights. But I mean, a few of them and I'll, I'll kind of wrap up here. But the um, interestingly, China's population is growth is now slowing. India's is increasing. And there's, they're expected to overtake China for, for people in the world by 2025. I mean, that's a big, big dynamic. Earnings grew 20% faster last year in 2022 than the best year ever on record, which was 2019. So thus, no wonder the stock market went up. But now things appear to be changing with some mixed headwinds and um you know, I, I like to remind folks we have what's called a sounding board process. Um, there's a lot of folks with a lot of anxiety, a lot of concerns, the recession words being thrown around a lot, inverse yield curves, inverted yield curves, I should say. We would love to chat with anyone who is concerned, who has anxiety, who feels apprehension about the future. We do this a lot for clients. This is a value-added service we offer to them. You know, we're not we have no expectation that these folks they might introduce to us would become a client. There's a, a very deliberate and, and well-defined fit process we have for that, where we take several meetings deter- to determine even if there is a good alignment of fit, if we could help them. Because we're, we're not chasing folks. We're, we're bringing people into our practice, and we do have the ability to add clients where the fit is there. But we really service a very, you know, very cherished niche that we we want to do everything for and um but if those folks have friends they have family that want to want to chat they want to hear get a second opinion they want us to look at what they're doing they want to hear their concerns what's going on we're more than happy to talk with them as a value-added service i I already mentioned the gentleman you know in, in the middle of a conversation last week mentioned his daughter graduating and would i be willing to talk with her and help her with this the answer is, of course, and he, he very much appreciated that. And this so all, those, yeah, go ahead. Just to the point where you did the, uh, a few episodes ago, you talked about making the client the voice that you listen to. Right. Have you gotten any feedback on that? I, I have, yeah. I've, um, I've forged further into that. I, we've had a lot going on with the markets, but just a quick reminder, the three questions I'm asking, it's a five-minute process. But, you know, what is the one thing you value most about your relationship with us? We like to know that for folks we've worked with. If you could add one thing to the client experience, what would that be? And the third question I'm asking is when you talk about us with friends and family members, what do you say? 
So I went through this uh, about a week or two ago with one of my best and longest running clients who, who knows me very well on, on a business and on a personal level. He had a good sense and understanding of the process, how I care for clients in their best interests. He went in to explain how it's about how I communicate and my professional knowledge. I mean, because he do- does know me personally and my family. He shared that working together for many years, he's developed a deep connection and he really respects me as a husband. I mean, I appreciated that um, as a father and as a professional. I mean, that was very rewarding. He he explained that when describing me to others, he explains, this was his terms, but my concierge service, he said it was up to him to make the decisions, but that he relied on me to provide him with good information to help make the best decisions and valued my process over the years when it comes to developing either good or bad news. So, you know, what me and my team bring experientially to clients is oftentimes of immense value. Uh, Perspective, it's a gift, especially in moments of challenge or times like today where the markets are are much more complicated and maybe at some inflection points. I'm again reminded that it's just a real pleasure to get to do what I do. It's an honor. I wake up every day being grateful that I get to do that and, um, you know, help help clients in that, that fashion. So... Yeah, we've had a lot of good feedback. We're continuing on to that process. All right, good. What else are your clients bringing to you these days? Like you mentioned, there's so much going on. The markets are not exactly what you would call stable. Uh, so what, what are mm-hmm. you saying to you these days? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, we're always opening to listen to see what they're thinking, where they're at, meet, meet them where they're at, but, but help guide them as well. With expected increases in interest rates and also the, we're, we're stressing the emphasis of dividend increases and share buyback. These are very important over the long run to clients. So they may be losing sight of this, but you know, the, the, especially these clients who are focus savers, growing their asset base and retirement nest eggs. Those that are relying on income from their investments to help fund their retirement. So companies have a number of ways in which they return capital to shareholders. Two of the more popular ways in recent years are cash dividends and share buybacks. So we we just want to share the data as it's actually going on. Both dividend distributions and stock buybacks have set new all-time highs approximately two years after the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. So companies are spent, they're spending even more on buybacks than dividends, but the all-time high for the S&P 500 index's quarterly dividend payout was $134 billion that was distributed to shareholders in the fourth quarter of 2021. And the record for quarterly stock buybacks was $270 billion that was registered in the fourth quarter of 2021 as well. So, um, you know, in the fourth quarter of 2021, S&P 500 industrial cash and equivalents stood at $1.8 trillion. At the all-time high was actually $1.89 trillion uh, in the fourth quarter of 2020. This is a lot of stats, obviously. And, you know, what does it all mean? I mean, a lot of our folks, they're these focus savers. So they need these dividend increases. This is their income. And there is concern with bonds and bond investments. A lot of them are losing their value dramatically, and uh, they're, they'll continue to lose you know, their value as interest rates go up. So 
you know, what, what we're saying here from the, from the third quarter of 2009, in which the S&P 500 index bottomed during the financial crisis through the fourth quarter of 21, cash holdings rose from $664 billion to $1.8 trillion, an increase of 177%. So, so you know, what's interesting is that S&P 500 companies spent $4.7 trillion on dividend distributions and $6.83 trillion on stock buybacks during the same period, 331 of 09 to 1231 of, of 2021. So, so keep in mind that these companies also utilize capital for such things as mergers and acquisitions, investment in plants and factories, and to purchase software and equipment. But seeing the S&P 500 index cash holdings continue to rise over time suggests that America's largest companies overall appear to be on very solid footing. And I like the breakdown that you have of the, uh, the sectors. Information technology, yeah. Yeah, tops, then healthcare financials, consumer staples, it all makes sense. Yeah. So some, I mean, there's a lot of cash generation still going on here and, and I did, I do have it all broken up by sectors, but we're paying attention to that, you know, for clients, we're parsing through that data. We're seeing, especially in a changing world and part of this, the hour process, the objective on emotional rules-based is we're watching the movement under the surface. Mm -hmm. Obviously, technology stocks had been incredible for like the last decade, but those got hit really hard in this recent pullback. And things like energy moved in in a big way. And you may realize energy, you know, people thought it was dead. People thought fossil fuels and Chevron and Exxon were were goners to your not not people, but that was a widely held belief in popular press, et cetera. Those have rallied in. So we have models and things that migrate or look at where these dividends, what's going to strengthen. We watch a lot of these changes under the surface. And, uh, you know, that's just a very valuable service, you know, we do for our clients. So Now, Rob, you say, you know, you're open to new clients coming in, your sounding board process, mm -hmm. you'll talk to them. How do you go about deciding whether or not they are a fit? That is a really good process. I mean, we, we have, I'm going to talk about that some more in some future podcasts, but we have several meetings. We like there to be at least two or three meetings where we really determine, is there a fit, you know, both from a standpoint of their assets, but attitudinally, you know, the types of issues they're facing, how they view things, the perspective we can bring up the to the table. I'll give you a flavor for some of the elements we deal with. And like in an initial conversation, as we're getting to know each other and the rapport and the trust, we'll, we'll often ask them to check off what are the top three things that are most important to them. And I'll, I'll give you a list of some of the things that, that would be on that list. These answers can vary all over. But the, the important point to stress is we have a process that deals for all these. And again, as I've said, a lot of times clients don't understand all the things we can do for them until they're at that point where our process mm -hmm. builds it in. But, but let me give you some of, the, some of the flavor of some of the things we would look at and find out what is, what is truly on the minds and what's important in the top priorities of a client. Cer certainly having enough income during retirement, that's a big one. Purchasing a retirement property or second residence may be something they're interested in. 
providing for education for children or grandchildren, you know, family security in the event of premature death or disability. Um, we've seen a lot of health events come up in the last mm-hmm. two years. And we're, we're dealing, you know, I had one uh, in the last several weeks, a woman who had just um, just started working with, they've uh, sold some properties and through some inheritances. And then all of a sudden, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but she calls me with the, the husband has an extremely high PSA count. Oh, no. um, so they're, you know, their, their attention is shifted and, uh, and it's going to be some time before they get all these tests back. He had been tested right at the beginning of the, right before the, the pandemic, but something's changed. So th- let me continue on. But those are things, you know, legacy planning for, you know, for a state. A lot of times people are interested in positioning themselves to enjoy more of the things in life that they value. Um, this has changed too a lot with the pandemic. We're, we've seen a lot of clients accelerate their retirements or take a pause and think about how they want to live life or they've worked from home and they're doing things different. I've seen a couple of folks who flat out had goals of retiring. They did. Now they're rehired as consultants, but they're they're doing it on their terms in a different way. So these are changes, but we, you know, we we help people navigate through this. Uh, other things we might look at is providing capital for charitable organizations. We have a number of people gifting off or even through their required minimum distributions. They're gifting off to, to charities or to their church or place they pray or worship or things like, you know, a foundation for, you know, the blind or dyslexic or, you know, children or youth or pets or animals, etc. Um a very big one we deal with is determining where and how to withdraw funds from investments to provide for retirement income. So a lot of times we 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 generate we shift from the growth mode to the income generation standpoint, but but sometimes there's additional things like a bucket list, like somebody wants to travel, wants to go do an African safari, or they're adding a home addition, or remodeling a kitchen, or paying for education or taxes. Then we use that process, that our process to determine if we do need to liquidate some things, even things that have gained, you know, how would we do that? Which sectors, which spaces would we be pulling? What is the logical framework for doing that rather than just making some random decision? Other folks, you know, are concerned about reducing income taxes, you know, that are generated from their investments. That's a biggie. Having a complete review of their investment portfolio to see what Uh, types of returns they've been getting and what type of risks they're taking. Uh, Have someone study their investment profile and making recommendations on what type of portfolio they have. That that could be a sounding board process for sure. That that could be someone already working with an advisor or somebody who had been doing it on their own. We, We see folks coming in now that had been doing it on their own, but they're Things have changed. They're getting more complex and it's more difficult. They want some, some guidance. So we've seen people you know, concerned about protecting assets from creditors and liability lawsuits. Folks having, you know, who are concerned about having peace of mind and a sense of security regarding their financial future. Or, or sometimes they're just looking for help, you know, seeking uh, qualified senior care. We have a value-added support team and a lot of contacts in that area. These are all areas, you know, we, we want to know if they work with an advisor, an investment advisor in the past, an estate planner, you know, how that works, how long they've been working with those individuals. Are they satisfied with that service? Why or why not? 
I mean, what are their primary reasons in coming to us? You know, what are their expectations for the planning process? What stage they're at in their career? Do they have retirement plans at work? You know, an estate plan. We go through all that. We profile all their assets, but we really get a sense of what's going on in life. You know, what they're looking for, what our process is. We try and share that completely as an open kitchen. It's all transparent. We just want to be there to add value. And um, that, that's kind of how that's working, Patrice. So, hey, well, I'm sure you want to know wh- where they are in their career, too. And how difficult is it for someone to decide, oh, am I mid-career? Am I, am I semi-retired? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that could go, you know, any which way. There's your sort of classic starting a career, mid-career, nearing retirement, semi-retired, retired. I, I think most... You know, we could probably check one of those, but some of that's blurring. You know, some folks sure. are um, in, really enjoy what they do. Some folks I run into are, you know, literally clocking in the time and trading, you know, time for money and um, holistically maybe risking their health, you know, by a schedule. I mean, that comes up, but we, we try and offer some thoughts and guidance, but, but what's it going to take? I had someone ask me the other day, you know, what, what do you think about these numbers in terms of uh, that retirement number? I mean, that, that's a long discussion. We have people focused on that, but we're, we're into seeing people achieve their goals, doing it, getting clarity around them, you know, and then really having a portfolio. So we, we want all the real, all the, the their family, their occupation, their recreation. We want all those taken care of the really, the why, you know, we take care of the M, the money, how that all occurs. But that's, you know, that's a byproduct. We're not looking for people who are just interested in returns or just growing without focus. We're, we're dealing with real life situations. And again, COVID, I think, has accelerated that because people realize the value of time, the value of life, that you can't take anything for granted. So we, we love being engaged in that process and just helping them and make good, making good perspective, especially when there's so much noise in the news and what, you know, what do you, we're dealing with the world with social media and a lot of these news feeds are all the same going to one perspective. But a lot of times we're giving them data that they they just are not aware of, like those dividend increases and the share. But they may not understand why that's a big deal or what that's saying or interest rates and the perspective on that. So or inflation, you know, sometimes we build in strategy around that. In other words, I, I talked on a prior podcast, but we positioned commodities, you know, nine months, 12 months ago. And that was the time to do it because those respond to inflation. And um, so we're always looking to, that's our process to, to share that, um, the process and the wisdom and have a process around it. That's why people are hiring us. It's not because of some kind of maverick talent, but it's ultimately our people, our practice and our process. And they want someone looking out for them all the time and letting them know what's going on and engaging in regular dialogue. So they can feel that they're, you know, appropriately strategizing around uh, events that are, you know, constantly changing. And how can listeners reach you, Rob? You've raised so many good issues here and you talk about your process. How can people reach you and find out if they can fit? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Well, you can certainly, there should be some links in the in the show notes on this if you're hearing it. So thank you for, for tuning in, by the way. Um, we, we appreciate it. And I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. 
Uh, you can easily find me on the web. You can search for me, Robert Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S-S. The firm's called Signature Estate and Investment Advisors, or SCIA. Uh, I've got a bio there. I've got several videos. I have links to all the podcasts. Please share the podcast and let us know what you think. But I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Um, my phone number is listed you know, on the web on our firm's website. You're welcome to call talk to my assistant who's part of my team. We'd be happy to schedule a call. You can email me at rcurtis, R-C-U-R-T-I-S-S at S-C-I-A.com. If you're interested in connecting, though, there's a multitude of ways. It should be pretty easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> right. And as you said, folks, share this podcast with others you care about, but follow it too, most of all, because then you're going to get the latest episode as soon as it's ready for you. So follow and share. I'm Patrice Sakora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Millionaire Next Door podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.